0: 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. It's a crazy statement Then he makes. He says, it's as though God is making his appeal through us. So, I think I said this last week. Like, if I was God and I wanted to persuade people to come into a relationship with me, I would not use people. I'd use myself, you know? Like, if you want to get something done, you do it yourself. I wouldn't use people because people are flawed. They're inconsistent. They're imperfect. All kinds of stuff, right? You know you. Amen? So... (laughs) I wouldn't use people, but God in his mercy uses people, right? That's his plan. And so he not only uses us, but in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we are his ambassadors. So you think about being in another country and you're in an embassy and the only people that truly understand the nation you're from are the ambassadors. But it's not like we're just from a nation. We persuade people to join our nation. We persuade people to join our kingdom. I wanna encourage you to use this moment, this season that we're in as a culture, when people are really wondering where they can get community outside of just being online, I pray that we could step into that identity as an ambassador and use whatever platform God has given us in order to invite people into our nation, into our kingdom, the kingdom of God. What we wanna do is first have you pray Pray that God would give you opportunities as a laborer in his harvest. The second thing that we want you to do is use your opportunity. If you are on Instagram, we want you to take opportunities even today to take short videos and post them on your platform. Uh, You could tag at Bridge Church when you do that. Thirdly, invite someone out to church, particularly on Easter, Uh, Studies have proven, obviously, and you know this from you and some of your family members, that people will go to church on Easter, they'll go to church on Christmas, and quite possibly on Mother's Day. Amen? (laughs) And I think we ought to use that as an opportunity. I think that we should be bold, and I think that we should step into our identity as ambassadors. So the reason why we want to use uh, the, the Instagram is because we've noticed people just stalk other people. Amen? You stalk other people every now and then. And they just see what they're doing. Why not stalk us doing something for Christ? Amen? So let's be intentional about that. So we ask that today, there might be a part of the message that resonates with you. You might want to take a picture and tag the church. After church, you might want to just take a quick video, or even now, you could take a quick video. But we want to be intentional about that. Tonight, when you look at our Instagram feed, you'll see uh, staff members, you'll see leaders, you'll see Atbridge Church. We'll all be sharing it because we'll see all those tags. And we want to keep doing that each week on up to our service on Easter. Remember, three services on Easter, were one church, two locations, three services. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask even now that you would be with us during this time. We thank you for the opportunity to share about who you are. We are blown away that God, in his mercy, decides to use people. And so even now, Lord, would you anoint this time? Would you teach us about yourself? And would you use us in a powerful way? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, anybody that knows me knows that I am not into the Avengers and all those cartoons. It's not my thing. I get dissed about it. Everybody gets upset because I don't know all the different deals. But here's the thing. I didn't know any of that. But growing up, the Hulk was the only dude I knew, you know, And it was always on, right? It wasn't the Hulk that you see in the Avengers Hulk, but it was just this random dude. And um, what would happen is, um, like, I remember being a kid and, um, like, the first time uh, Bruce Banner becomes, Dr. Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk, um, he's changing his tire in the rain and he gets frustrated And then um, the eyes. We got the eyes. Let's go back to the eyes. Like, you see the eyes. And then do you remember the sound it would make? you would be like, ooh. And then we'd get upset. And then all of a sudden, he's frustrated. And then he turns into the Hulk. And what would happen is Dr. Bruce Banner, all of a sudden, would change if he got upset. And he would, like, turn into this beast. And he'd beat people up. And he'd have these incredible muscles, right? So if something was happening against his will, a beast would come out. Interestingly enough, that story of the Incredible Hulk actually comes from a different story. Um, The authors of um, that narrative actually got it from a different story, a story you've heard probably, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That story came out in the late 1800s, about 1886. A guy named Robert Louis Stevenson came up with that story. In that story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you basically have Dr. Jekyll, who is a pretty virtuous person, but he struggles at times with selfishness. So he creates this potion, and with this potion, he says to himself, I don't want to feel like two people anymore. So instead of feeling like two people, what I'll do is I'll create this potion, and I'll just fully be virtuous, and I'll be Dr. Jekyll and I'll fully be selfish, and I'll be Mr. Hyde. And when he creates this potion, he is one of the kindest people in the world. But he's also, Mr. Hyde, incredibly selfish. What the story entails is that Mr. Hyde, he acknowledges and observes that Mr. Hyde is much more evil than he could have ever thought. Robert Louis Stevenson grew up in a Christian home. Robert Louis Stevenson got his basis of thought out of Romans chapter seven. The belief, his belief was, we all get tired of being two people. We all get tired of that internal conflict. We wish we could be fully virtuous. And we know that in the right conditions, Without restriction, the beast comes out of us. Mr. or Mrs. Hyde comes out of us. An honest Christian will acknowledge that there's a struggle with sin, there's a struggle with duality that we hate to admit. In Romans chapter seven, Paul, in the early part, is talking about the law. And he essentially says that the law is good. There's no problem with the law. There's no problem with the Ten Commandments. The problem is me. I can't fulfill the law. I can't do the things that I want to do, he's going to talk about. Some scholars have said that this text is not of the Christian life. It's of the the life before Christ. And so there's a little bit of a debate. But... I think an honest Christian would say this. The more that you walk with the Lord, the more that you know God, the more you see your flaws. Struggle with sin is actually a sign of maturity because you see more of yourself. Man once said he was writing, he was a writer, and he was at work. And while he was at work, he's writing, and he had a dinner to go to. So he gets done with work, and he says he's about to go to this wonderful dinner. So he does that, you know, you do that quick glance in the mirror, does this quick glance in the mirror, looks at his his clothes, looks at his hair, goes, okay, I'm good. Walks into this dinner, beautiful facility, bright lights like this, lit up. And then while he's walking in there, there's this huge mirror, And as he's walking in and seeing this huge mirror, he sees all these smudges on his collar. He sees ink on his fingers. The moment he walked in from a dimly lit place to a highly lit place, the moment he saw a small mirror and then a big mirror, he saw more of the smudges. The more you get closer to God, the more you become intimate with him, the more you see your smudges. You see, it's those who walk in the light, those who have a mirror, we see more of ourselves. And Paul, in this chapter we're going to look at, he's lamenting the fact that he is frustrated. He is not the man he wants to be. He wants to be holy. Because when you give your life to Christ, you have a heart change. You want to be more honest. You want to be more kind. You want to be more loving. So let me encourage you. This struggle with sin is not an admission that he is punting or failing. It's actually an admission he is growing. We have to acknowledge that there is a Mr. Hyde. Here's the key. This text is what you call a lament. It's like grieving. He's acknowledging his frustration. He's confessing it. That's healthy. Here's the key. The key is not to hide, Mr. Hyde. The whole notion of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is that play on words, hide. It's not to hide. Mr. Hyde. And in this text, he doesn't hide, Mr. Hyde. He acknowledges, I struggle. Do you struggle today? Well, Paul's going to say, I, I too struggle. Join him in showing how to struggle well. Romans chapter 7, Paul says in verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual. Now, but me, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. When he says sold under sin, he's given this imagery of slavery. And he's saying that in many ways, I am compelled often to sin. And it's like I'm in bondage at times to do that which I don't want to do. Nothing wrong with the law, but me, I am of the flesh the flesh. Now, when he says that he's of the flesh, he's not talking about his physical body, per se. He's saying there is a selfish side of us, a selfish nature, and he's speaking of the two natures that we have when you come into Christ. You have this new nature, new heart, new desires, new affections, but you still have what he calls, what Paul will call throughout the New Testament, an old man, old desires, old nature, and he's saying that that old man, old desire is still with him. So he will say throughout this sex, and what you will experience as a believer is that there will be times that you fall back into sin at a disturbing frequency. You will become frustrated. World War II the allied forces took over berlin they took control and at that point they had the uh, they had broken the german army essentially the war was over and victory had been won but even still there were pockets of german soldiers that were throughout the countryside and in small towns terrorizing citizens. So even though the Nazi regime had been broken and they did not have the power anymore, even though the war was over, the battle still raged on. There were pockets of that nation that still had captivity. There were still strongholds being held down even though the victory is won. And if we know that to be true of that war, know it is true of our war. That even though you've given your life to Christ, Christ has died for your sin and victory is ours. And the war is won, but the battle still rages on. The battle rages on in your tone and your thoughts. The battle rages on in your body and your soul. The battle rages on at work and at home. The battle rages on. The key is to acknowledge that you have this battle. And so Paul says in the next verse, in verse 15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions. You don't have to be a Christian to say that. You don't have to be a theologian to understand what he just said there. He didn't say, I'm not just doing what I don't want to do. He's saying, I don't understand what I do sometimes. Isn't that deep? So, just think about this. Like, if you're in a relationship, you're like, I don't understand you. There's a good chance they go, I don't understand me either. (laughs) All right, it's a struggle to understand yourself is a struggle. I don't know why I just said that. Why'd you say that? I don't even know. For I don't do what I want. What does he want? Holiness. What's he hate? Sin. That's what the new heart does. You want holiness. That is living a life set apart for God. You hate sin. So he's he's saying that, he's not saying I can't do anything good. He's saying I cannot consistently not gossip. I cannot consistently not covet. I harbor angry feelings. I wish that was not the case. He is frustrated. Sometimes Mr. Hyde creeps out. Sometimes the Hulk comes out of me. I'm frustrated with that. So Paul, when he says, I don't understand what I do, he's acknowledging this is a part of who he is. This, saints, is a confession, an acknowledgement. There's another side to me that I cannot stand. John would say it this way in 1 John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Slow down, John. Whew, intense. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want you to notice what John says there. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Then he turns it and he says, if we confess our sins... Notice he doesn't say, if we say we have no sin, and then in verse 9, if we say we have sin. He says, if we confess our sin. You see, there are people who say, oh no, I have sin, and they acknowledge their sin, but acknowledgement of sin is not the confession of sin, because the blood will cover confession, but he doesn't cover excuses. The reality is that John is acknowledging that when we confess, it strengthens our fellowship. When we confess Christ as Lord, that's a one-time act. And we now, will get baptized, we'll come to Christ, we'll know and love him. But in order to strengthen our fellowship with God, we must be continually confessing, I'm not doing that which I want to do. And we have a life of being honest with God. Honest with God. Honest with God. Isn't the battle raging on in you? Isn't the battle raging? Isn't there an intensity there? Isn't there fatigue? Isn't there frustration? If you hunger for holiness, you will be frustrated with your sin. This is what he's saying. But there is another avenue. Because when you have defeat in certain areas, there is a chance that you become complacent. And you stop confessing. And you just say, uh, here I go again. I'm just a Mr. Hyde. Or oh, here go to Hulk again, just hulking away. Saints, don't let consistent defeat take away consistent confession. You can tweet that. You can Instagram that all you want. <laughs> Don't, 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 don't let consistent defeat take away consistent confession. Because that's when you'll hide, Mr. Hyde. Nothing can grow in darkness, but sin can. And so, walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. Walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. Let those smudges be seen first to him before anyone else. So Paul, in his frustration, says, here's what I've concluded. So now it's no longer I who do it. Now, if you just stop there, Paul is kind of excusing himself. But he says, but sin that dwells in me So he's saying there are parts of me, there's parts of my flesh, parts of my old nature that just act up sometimes. And so he says in verse 18, for I know, now do y'all know this? I know, now make, I hope you know this. I know, I hope you know, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Paul says, y'all, my old nature likes to act up, and I know that. Do you know that? Do you know that your flesh, given life without restrictions, taking that potion, will wild out? Paul, in his language here, is acknowledging that There is a life in the flesh. And in Romans chapter eight, which we'll deal with in a few weeks, there's a life in the spirit. And the book of Galatians talks about how the spirit wars with the flesh. And the phrasing that the Bible will use when we succumb to a life in the flesh is not the phrase of the flesh, that's the old nature, but it's in the flesh, that is our posture, meaning I just keep living in failure. I start behaving in a way where I'm okay. I become complacent. That's life in the flesh. So lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life, jealousy, anger, all these things you allow to grow accustomed to. You grow accustomed to them. So the flesh is something you can operate in. Long time. And... Uh, you can't assume that the flesh is something that you'll ever overcome ultimately until heaven. There's always a battle raging on. Always. And so you've got to be like Paul and say, hey, look, I know. I, I'm of the flesh. I know that I can. You remember those, remember those eyes we saw on Dave, uh, Bruce Banner? Remember those eyes? When you saw that, the Incredible Hulk, can we put that up, the the eyes? When you saw on the Hulk, um, there's a picture of him when he had the eyes. Praise God. When he had, I'm sorry. But when he had it, right, when he does that, it's like he's in a trance. And it's like, ooh, and he gets upset, and all of a sudden he turns into this beast. And if you're honest there's certain things that put you like in a trance. Ooh. Your eyes start acting up. You just, you just can't take your, something comes over you. I mean, there's certain people, this a trance comes over you. And you just, there's certain people that might make you angry. That just, ooh, you're, you just start, ooh, man. Lust, my Lord. You know, there's certain people you just can't have a meeting with. You just can't. You can't do a one-on-one with everybody. Amen. Ooh, just comes out of you. You start. You start. You. You. You understand that he. He. When. When. We, when. When the Hulk comes out, it just. It takes over, and that's what Paul is saying. I know that there is no good in my flesh, and if I had a life of No restrictions, no law, no one around. I don't know what I might do. Do you have a sensitivity and awareness of the great potential you have for failure? Or are you like, I'm good? One author put it this way. Listen, watch this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Great potential. So... I'm a little suspicious of myself. My wife and I, whenever a pastor like, is some kind of like embezzlement or like sexual scandal, my wife's like, why do guys do that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. You're fine, baby. I love you. I am not stronger than them. See? I'm not stronger than them. I'm, n- I'm, not, I'm not wiser than them. <sighs> if anything, I'm more sus- suspicious of myself. Because I think that could happen to me. I actually don't think that couldn't happen to me. I actually don't think that about people. Like, when someone says, I don't think that person would ever do that. I don't think that anymore. (laughs) Seriously. Like, because what we do is we go, I've never seen them do that. What does that mean? Because you didn't see them do it? That means that's who they are all the time? I don't believe that. I believe people have great potential for foolishness in the right situations. They would never do that. You don't know that. So Paul then summarizes this in verse 18. He says, For I have the desire to do what is right. Not the ability, but not the ability to carry it out. Think about the level of frustration when you have a great desire to do something, but you find you don't have the ability to do it. This is in the book of John, not first John, but in the book of John, book of John, John talks about we don't have it on the screen, but he, he talks about Jesus saying, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." That is, we we long for the Spirit to be able to carry out the desires of the Spirit through us. And so we we give our lives to Christ, and we become more sanctified, and we grow, and we see the Spirit do more. But there's still this battle raging on where there's things I want to do. I want to be more kind, but I just find myself unkind. One author put it, the Christian life and life in the spirit is often like someone who is an unskilled artist who beholds a beautiful scene that they want to paint, but their lack of talent prevents them from doing it. Not sure if we're able to put a picture up, but um, imagine the Mona Lisa, put that up. God, but um, imagine trying to paint the Mona Lisa and in trying to paint it, you work to paint it, you work to paint it, you work to paint it, and you get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, but ultimately you can't fulfill it. Imagine your frustration when, man, you you ultimately can't see what you want. That is the struggle that Paul is saying there's this tension that he feels. You ever feel this frustration? Think about it this way. Uh, Why do I still struggle with self-control? Didn't the Lord give us the spirit of self-control? Isn't that what the Bible says? Like you read that one day in the Bible, you read that you were a growing Christian, it says the spirit of self-control, you're like, mm, self-control, that's me, God. You're about to control me because I need somebody to control me. And then over time, you saw you struggle with that. Why do I still struggle with self-control? Why am I not able to fulfill it? Why do I feel jealousy and resentment towards people so much quicker than love? I appreciate God so much. Like the battle we're talking about is you literally will be praying, like there's, like you had a conflict at work, all right? You had a conflict at work. I, I know you can't imagine the saints. You had a conflict at work, somebody at work you had a conflict with, and you're just like, Lord, I lift up problem person. Oh God, problem person, Father in the name of Jesus. Would you just help problem person? Because that person is a problem. <laughs> help them, Lord. For I, in my flesh, cannot deal with them. Because the other day, they went and they went. Wa- and I can't believe that. And your brain will start taking you. And before you know it, you will literally have a full-fledged conversation. I know, I'm, I know I'm the only one that does this. You'll have a full-fledged conversation with the person. and so And that's why, you know what? And you don't come at me. And like your brain... <laughs> So you're not even praying for them anymore. You're literally arguing with them in an imaginary world. And just this is how my flesh works. I'm 100 and oh in imaginary conversations. Never lost one. In the shower, before I go to work. Oh, man, I'm, I'm pretty lethal, to be honest with you. Pretty dynamic, as one would say. That's how the flesh works distracted, right? Why do I ever give people the benefit of the doubt? I always inject a narrative. And I hate it when that's done to me. And I said I'll never do that again, and I did it again. Why is my first impulse always to assume the worst and then gossip? And slander. When we feel this, it's good. That is a healthy frustration. But I want you to see what Paul says in Romans 7, verse 24 and 25. Now listen, this is what he says Wretched man that I am. He is frustrated with his sin. He is frustrated with his sin. And then he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Saints, here's what I want you to hear. And it's really important that you hear the fullness of this. Um, Paul says wretched man that I am I am tired of me have you ever felt that way I am tired of me I'm sick and tired of me of seeing me I'm frustrated because I want to be more like Christ when we feel that don't leave that feeling of frustration because that's what he's saying, wretched man that I am. I'm frustrated. But if you only stop right there in verse 24, wretched man that I am. If you just stop right there, that frustration leads to condemnation. Oh, I'm such, and some of you do that. You just beat yourself up. Well, look, look at me. I can't, I can't do nothing right. I don't. I I say I want to be more honest, and here I go again. I say I want to be more loving, and here I go again. I have these goals, I never reach them. Oh, wretched man that I am! If you stop right there, your frustration will lead to condemnation, and you will always be a sad, lonely, depressed believer. Look what he does. He says, "Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death?" Then he says, "Thank you, Jesus." Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what happens is his frustration doesn't lead to condemnation. His frustration leads to adoration. And he ends up collapsing in worship. Because let me tell you this one day you will be changed. One day, you will be with the Lord and you will be delivered ultimately. And you won't have that trance you feel over sin. And The beast won't come out of you. Mr. Hyde, you'll be fully delivered from Mr. Hyde. Growing up, there was a song we sang in church. They said, temptations, hidden snares often takes us unawares. And our hearts are made to bleed for some thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best, but we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God gather in all We will tell the story of how we overcome We'll understand it by and by. You'll be delivered ultimately of this body of death. But the other deliverance he's speaking of is you can change. God has the power to change your heart, and he has the power to change your lust, your gossiping, your anger. He can change you. He is a deliverer. And if he can deliver you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, he can deliver you from unkindness to kindness. He's a deliverer. And you have a Lord who is a deliverer. He will deliver you, and he can change you. And I want to tell you today, that struggle that you have, hold it up to him. Adore him. Love him. Worship him. Cry out to him. That's what Paul does. In the end, he collapses, not in frustration alone, but in worship. Worship him today. Love him today. In the end, your sin should frustrate you, but it should lead you to the cross. A cross of a loving Savior. Take my yoke upon you. I give you rest. Aren't you tired? Would you stand with me? Today, some of you are tired of living like two people, but in your fatigue, many of you, or some of you quite possibly, have never made a decision to follow. Jesus. That's the first step. Before you're delivered from behaviors and actions and attitudes and mentalities, you must be delivered in nations and kingdoms. You must be delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about reading the Bible. I'm saying Jesus Christ is Lord and you make him the leader of your life. And I just want to know tonight, Or this morning. Is there anybody that says, I want to make Jesus the leader of my life for the first time? Just lift up your hand. You want to make Jesus the leader of your life for the first time? Just lift up your hand. If you want to make Jesus the leader of your life for the first time, just lift up your hand. If that's you today, you say, I want them to be the leader of my life, the Lord of my life. And if there would not be one here today, who wants to make that decision for the first time, then there may be someone who says, I wanna get back on track with the Lord. I wanna rededicate my life to Christ because I've had that frustration lead to complacency. And I wanna be consistent with the Lord. I wanna be in community and I wanna walk in his marvelous light. Is there anybody here this morning that wants to rededicate their life to Christ? That they wanna come back to the Lord? That they wanna be in his graces and you wanna be in the light? You wanna allow that mirror to see more of you? Does anyone here this, this morning feels that pull on their heart? Then if there not be one here today with that desire, then I commission all of you. There's someone around you today that's tired of being two people. There's someone in your life that's tired and they don't have a deliverer. And I want you, I implore you on behalf of Jesus Christ to be an ambassador for Christ and to tell the world that Jesus Christ defeated sin and death has no sting. And we have that deliverer offered to people. So offer him on your timeline. Offer him at work. Offer him in your gym. Offer him in your neighborhood. He is available today. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are our deliverer. And you take us from one kingdom to another. And so we ask even now, even now, Jesus, use our platforms, use our words, that we might tell a dying world about who you are in Christ's name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com.